0: Welcome to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with your host, Sanjog Gall. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sanjog Gall. Hello and uh, welcome to CTN. To learn more
1: about the show, please visit CIOtalknetwork.com. And today's topic is Elevating Customer Experiences Through Data and AI Innovation. Well, so when we talk about the world that we are living in today, customer experience is very important. And frankly, it is one of the top agenda for most organizations because that's the way for them to stay ahead of the curve and stay competitive. Now, when it comes to uh, as businesses are trying to shape these customer experiences and interaction and they're trying to use the digital transformation related efforts and emerging technologies, and also they are trying to redefine what their data strategy is, uh, they're also at the same time been encountering this interesting you know evolution of AI. So they're also looking at using AI, but then you have an issue with their ethics and and how to best use it. So there are so many different variables that are coming through. So at the end of it, if, if we were to focus our discussion on figuring out what is the best possible route or perhaps a recipe which will allow you us to truly revolutionize or reimagine customer experiences using data and AI what would that look like? And to discuss this, I have with me Siddharth Chatterjee, who's the Vice President, Global Chief Data Officer with Matt. Hey, Sid, how are you? Hi, Sanjog.
2: I'm doing fine. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Absolutely. Pleasure is all mine. So as I kind of tried to paint the picture, said when we are talking about customer experience, that's actually one of the hottest things an organization could invest in. And not just hot, it's the most critical thing. At the same time, we have had companies dealing with the data and AI-related challenges, innovation attempts, And whatever the results are that are sometimes great, sometimes not so great. So that is an ongoing evolution. But now, given that customer experience is the end goal and data and AI are kind of the ingredients of that recipe, what is holding people back from making that beautiful pizza, which is made out of of pizza of customer experience, which is made out of the ingredients, which is data and AI?
2: What's the top challenge people face? Thanks Sanjog for the question and uh, absolutely before starting I would like to say that you know there's no better time to work in data and ai than today and where as you rightly mentioned uh, everything is coming together including uh, this disruption of ai uh, now coming back to your question about uh, what's holding back uh, realizing the full potential of uh, customer experience i mean it's 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 still the same kind of reasons you know i can make a parallel with my own industry which is the tourism industry uh, and the travel industry uh, which has for a long time uh, suffered uh, with uh, a lot of uh, legacy systems in their And organizations. And uh, the legacy systems are, you know, they can be an obstacle uh, to, uh, you know, have the interoperability between different systems. Uh, And as you rightly said, that the customer is the king. You know, everything that we do, especially in our business, uh, the whole business is around the customer and how to make a customer as happy and as satisfied as possible. Um, so unless and until you have this interoperability between data sources you know overhaul of uh, legacy systems you know have the right organizations i think even today a lot of companies are not having the optimal uh, right organization within their enterprise to uh, take full value of uh, of of data and analytics which is a shame because uh, as you rightly said you know the core of uh, uh, an amazing or uh, amplified customer experience is actually uh, the customer knowledge and the customer data that we can you know, use in an ethical and a, a powerful way. Provide amazing services to our customers.
1: Now, when you are saying like uh, the the environment that you're talking about, while the opportunity is there, and and there are some challenges, but frankly, anything new will have challenges. So, how do you see your organization where you are at Club Med or your peers? How are they tackling it? Are they feeling already like tired heroes, or they are optimistic? And zealous in terms of reaching out and, and doing things and ignoring the hurdles because they see the opportunities too huge. What's the mindset when as people are trying to tackle these challenges?
2: Absolutely. So there are a lot of uh, you know questions within your question, and I think there's a resurgence right now. You know, with uh, with generative AI and all the buzz that we are having, and it's putting the you know agenda of uh, data and analytics right on top of the table. Uh, having said that. Um, I think you know there's this notion of also the different generations of CDOs. Uh, the first generation, of, generation of CDO was uh, working a lot on compliance and mitigating risk uh, uh, in the years 2000 up till 2010. And then from 2010, you had the second generation of CDOs who were working a lot on data management and data governance, right? But unfortunately, um, everything to do with risk or data management or governance, you know, they remain kind of in the background, and it's hard to get the right kind of investment and and corporate uh, executive level sponsorship and this is why i think the current generation of cdo's including myself are more of the third generation generation cdo's uh, whose primary responsibility is to create value out of data and create great products and services for our customers and also internally for the employees it's putting the uh, the topic back on the table and there is more investment coming there's more interest you know earlier you had to uh, work a lot on creating a culture and to you know make people understand the value of uh, uh, data analytics artificial intelligence uh, i think with uh, uh, currently what's happening in the space of artificial intelligence i think we are winning many years on this culture building because people are educating themselves by themselves, right? So you have lots of inbound uh, requests to create value through data, through uh, AI uh, and stuff like that. Um, so I think there's a lot of enthusiasm in the in the market, in different companies, and uh, people are using uh, different ways to uh, create value and progress. You know, data mesh was something which was being uh, talked about a lot recently. Uh, I think now it's going down a little bit, uh, but at the core, I think you need the right sponsorship at the very high level and then you, re- you need the right... Um, organization, you know, a federal organization uh, to really get the message across and then to start building those use cases bottom up and creating value uh, in an iterative manner.
1: See, uh, when you speak about this whole area of uh, something new, something showing potential, we all jump on it. And it's almost like Deja Vu when we had digital transformation concept was introduced. And a lot of people started playing with it and they started figuring out a way to show enough use cases and uh try to get funding and somehow get it injected so that they sound relevant and they in fact to some extent could become relevant but we also found that there was a whole lot of disappointment when the things that were being tried were neither practical nor were they able to show them those investments to be measurably impactful which in Crude terms means money was wasted, which could have been used elsewhere. And it's to some extent, we understand it's sandboxing, so you do it, but then it becomes a, a a gold rush and or a chase for something shiny versus what truly helps the business. So in your experience and in your view, how do we prevent from the kind of wastage that we saw during the digital transformation wave to not... Uh, recur in this new data and innovation age where we are trying to work on customer experience and we put a lot of things, but if they're not impactful, we don't we don't, you know, waste the precious resources and the dollars that we have today.
2: this is a fantastic question. And I often make the parallel with the digital revolution also, you know, today, I think uh, there is a moment like the iPhone moment. Uh, So several years back when the iPhone came, you know, every company, they wanted to have uh, an iPhone application. Uh, Similarly, when you had the, you know, e-commerce revolution, every company, they wanted to have an internet, uh, uh, you know, marketplace and selling products online and moving from brick and mortar to to online. Uh, But in reality, very few companies actually succeeded in having that, you know, blockbuster app or having uh, um, a profitable uh, e-commerce model, right? Uh, I think same thing holds today. I mean, there is a, a gold rush and there is this, uh, you know, let's say spring of AI. Uh, if you look at the history of AI also, you know, you, you call what you what is uh, uh, the springs and the winters of AI, right? Right since 1950. So I think right now there is a spring, uh, but in order to make sure that we don't have a winter very soon, uh, the, the strategy at least that, uh, you know, I would suggest is, Uh, to be uh, quite pragmatic uh, pragmatic you know uh, really uh, target uh, let's say investments uh, iteratively you know big bang is never good at least in my experience uh, the last 15 years that I've been working in this domain I've seen that uh, you know big bang strategies don't work you know and and I can vouch for that Uh, you need to uh, really target pain points and make sure that you're addressing some problem, some concrete problem. Uh, you're iterating failing fast uh, there was also a period that uh, a lot of companies they did a lot of proof of concepts you know a data organization became like a lab a lot of companies call their organizations as a data lab uh, which I, I i really don't agree with because it's such a you know core topic it's such a business topic that why would you call a department a lab right so in my opinion you know to answer sim- simply your question is that you can no longer operate in the lab mode you have to be very pragmatic you have to talk to the business stakeholders build very deep relationships with your um, business departments and your your uh, peers and your uh, stakeholders, you know, really understand the customer journey, understand the customer pain points, and then select um, between, you know, use cases which give a lot of visibility and create, let's say, enthusiasm in the company and certain um, uh, very practical, maybe background use cases, you know, which can allow you to allow you to, you know, show results very rapidly and, uh, you know, uh, being sure that you're anticipating well the potential pitfalls because these are new technologies. We don't know, you know how exactly they will work. So it's very important to start small, uh, get initial results, you know, anticipate for problems and then be in a very agile uh, methodology of working.
1: So if you were to take some practical examples, right, which you might have, uh, you know, maybe initiatives that you undertook or take, keep that in mind as you respond to my question, what was your due diligence or what realistic due diligence you could have done before embarking on that journey for digital transformation or you're embarking on now for data and AI, which gives you a reasonable assurance that you will get some ROI, Which would be worth it for the business versus everything built on that hope and wishful thinking that, well, it looks like it has potential. We have to experiment. But at some point, the boss wants to know where's the money going to come from and you're going to take money from me.
2: Yeah, absolutely, you know, I I also, if you look at, you know, our business, uh, which is in the hospitality space, uh, we've got 70 resorts worldwide in 40 countries, uh, you know, you take my other companies where i work for, you know, uh, ADP, uh, where, where we control more than 30 airports around the world. Uh, you know, so I often give the example of uh, physical assets, like right, like a resort or an airport. It doesn't get built uh, overnight, you know, and, and this is sometimes the uh, the problem with, uh, let's say, the digital field or the data or whatever. Uh, you get a, you know, you get an impression that because it's powerful, because it's scalable, that it is fast, right? So it's very important to have that clear communication in terms of the expectation management. You've got to manage the expectations and there is a time of setup. There is a time of, uh, of, uh, of, of building the foundations. And in my case, in terms of practical examples, when I arrived in the company, my first priority was to ensure that we have the right organization in place, right, a right organization within the data office at the at the global level, uh, and also the right uh, kind of organizations or interlocutors in different markets and in different business units, right? For me, this is the foundation. So if you don't have the right organization uh, that people, uh, individuals don't know what their exact roles and responsibilities are, I think that's a direct uh, recipe for failure, right? So, So, and that takes a bit of time to build. So once you have put that in place, put that in place then the next objective is obviously to understand uh, you know the business uh, very deeply and also understand what are the uh, pain points of your st- internal stakeholders right along with obviously your external stakeholders uh, and then you need to uh, very quickly uh, move from uh, organization and communication to a governance and e- and for me governance today is not a central aspect of uh, data and ai it is extremely necessary but but if you uh, invest too much of time and energy into governance then there is a possibility that you lose your Uh, you know uh, stakeholders interest so very quickly you need to start with certain use cases you know which uh, provide value which show uh, results and which are truly useful right so I think we are in my opinion and data and AI department is a business partner of his internal stakeholders and his first role is to really you know have that create that partnership and to understand you know what are the quick wins and what are the long term uh, wins and start working on the on those quick wins wins without really losing the vision of a long term right Middle-term or or, or or long-term strategy. I think when you when you when you start doing that, and and obviously the last point is extremely important is talent acquisition, right? So if you do not have the right amount of talent in the team, the right skill sets, uh, whether it is engineering, whether it is data science, whether it is product management, whether it is uh, data analyst, etc., right? So you cannot uh, do anything. You know, at the end of the day, even though we are working with tools and technologies, uh, the 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 people make a, a big uh, difference and a big role to play. Because uh, at the end of the day you also need to be creative, right? And you need to think out of the box. And how would, how can you think out of the box unless and until you don't have that deep link with your internal stakeholders and you have the right talent in place?
1: Anything specific that you can uh, share and you don't need to go into the actual factual details, but something which worked for you on a couple of different levels, namely one, when somebody comes to you as a cool thing, which they want to see implemented because it is new, you are able to explain to them that this may not be in the best interest of the business. And then on the other times, when you were not looking, but when you saw weak signals, you were able to take those weak signals to determine that, man, this one, this particular uh, initiative, if was given the due focus, this could turn into a major ROI and you were able to do so.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I can give you a few examples, you know, uh, uh, at Club Med, which has been about uh, a year, year that I'm working with here. And I can also talk about you know my previous experiences. Um, so, 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 for example, uh, I, I spoke about legacy systems in the travel industry, right? So, in our company, we took um, a mass major decision of revamping all our uh, legacy systems and create and putting in place a, a a data factory on the cloud. You know, in real time, real state-of-the-art uh, data factory. So, this was this is a long pro- project. It's a profound project because it requires so much of so many different you know tracks to run simultaneously. It is a you know twelve to eighteen month project. Right? And then you need to make sure also that your data factory is, uh, is, is functional and uh, it's robust. You know, so there are two ways of working on, on, on this kind of a transformation. One is that you, you, know, you wait right till the end uh, of that cycle and then you start working on, let's say, business cases. Uh, so, for example, one of the things that I uh, thought that uh, would work and which actually worked is that, you know, not to rely on all the use cases on our cutting edge uh, platform, but also start certain things, you know, on our old platforms, you know, which are still usable. Uh, so to give an example, I mean, uh, you know, we are a, a completely omni-channel company and 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 we have most of our customers coming through direct channels. Uh, so on, a, on average, annually, we receive about a million calls and our customer, uh, you know, experience... Uh, uh, designers, uh, travel experience designers, uh, need to process all these calls, right? So the, we, we quickly saw that there is potentially uh, a chance of uh, creating value and creating optimization in our, you know, in our telephone systems and things like that. So we do, did a quick use case of uh, of uh, taking a sample of a few thousand call recordings and then analyzing that with uh, you know natural language processing, speech recognition, and deriving rich sets of insights. So once we had that, and that took about you know a few weeks to do, and immediately it kind of uh, gave very rich sen- rich insights uh, to our business units, right? And for who could start then uh, working on strategies of uh, of uh, uh, of building some services or, you know, communicating with the customers, uh, et cetera, right? So if I give you another example that I had in in my previous company in Group ADP, so there was this phase, you know, uh, where it was difficult to get new use cases or, you know, getting those big projects going. And we saw that, you know, that there was this uh, real opportunity of, of doing automation. Uh, so for one of the departments who, who worked on airline marketing, you know, we saw that they spent a lot of time in building reports and you know uh consolidating uh excel files uh you know to build business cases for airline companies to create new routes so we said that you know why not uh work with these guys and then you know automate it end to end the reporting that they are doing right so it's not a very sexy project uh, but when we did that we actually realized that we are saving more than 80 percent of time that they spend right so similarly when you do one and then you see that you know there are so many other uh, places where you can actually do automation right Uh, automation and another um, uh, example is uh, often it is sort of uh, underlooked at, but I think business intelligence or data visualization is super important. So while we were working on profound uh, use cases, uh, you know, on um, uh, omnichannel uh, customer journey and building a unique view of, uh, v- uh, unique, uh, view of the client, uh, we relied also on delivering reports, you know, which are user friendly, which are intuitive, which are uh, intelligent you know to our different uh, business units you know who gained value immediately right so in, in the first uh, four to six months you can you can build a lot of value by doing you know certain analysis which gives a lot of customer insights or providing reports you know which are uh, uh, which were not existing before but which can unlock a lot of you know efficiency at your uh, stakeholders end
1: now where you have tried to do things what are the top issues in terms of adoption cuz see one is that you get something created in the lab. But most of the time, digital transformation or even data and AI related, AI is too new for us to comment as much, while it's not new in the sense, AI has been existing, but in an enterprise setting, the adoption journey is just getting started. But for data, there has been a lot of effort put in, but adoption becomes the problem. What do you say is the top learnings you've had in terms of when somebody starts building something new and cool, which looks like it has all the, 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 ROI promise, but still it does not get adopted because of X, Y, Z reason. What are those top reasons that you've seen which hinder adoption?
2: So adoption is is uh, is a key point, and I'm so glad that you're mentioning it to me. And uh, you know, I've seen this problem uh, for the last ten years. Because uh, uh, I mean, even when I was uh, you know uh, working at Technicolor, which was uh, before I started working at uh, Ogilvy and Publicis, you know, we were working on very cutting edge uh, uh, you know AI projects such as analysis of videos and analysis of social network data and building fancy tools, right? So um, uh, and what I realized it is that, you know, you can build the fanciest uh, tools and very sophisticated, you know, analytics tools or products or whatever. uh, But there is a uh, if you cannot get it adopted, then, um, you know, it comes back to your point about, you know, wasting the investment money, right? Uh, So how can you actually ensure a good adoption uh, the best way to do a good adoption is not to uh, start a project unless and until uh, you have not asked the right questions to your stakeholder uh, you know when he is requesting for a certain uh, product to be built right i think the 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 heart of the problem is really to ask those right relevant questions to be very sure that the initiative that you are going to take is matching with the pain point or his real need right because if you have, you know, and in the digital also, we, we speak about this, uh, you know, creating a sticky product and the only way you can create a sticky product is if you're create, if you're uh, if you're delivering something which addresses uh, a real need, right? So that's where I think we made a lot of progress in the sense that, you know, we had a, a product de- product management department uh, in the in the data office. And um, uh, in the beginning, we invested a lot of time to really, you know, speak with the stakeholders and ensure that, you know, uh, before we start any project, that it is matching with their exact needs. But that's that's the first part. And after you actually work on it and you deliver it, I think you need to be very careful about uh, and very rigorous in ensuring that you are, uh, you know, tracking the usage metrics. Uh, you know, if I talk about dashboards or business intelligence or, or data visualization, you know, we look at uh, continuously, you know, what how much how many number of uh, unique users are visiting these dashboards you know what are the views etc and if we see that there's a drop in adoption so we go back to these users and we talk to them right similarly when you talk about uh, machine learning you know when you're doing predictive analytics on customer data and you're doing let's say you know some kind of uh, uh, scoring or uh, predictions there's no use of these algorithms unless and until it is being used by the marketing it is being used by the sales you know department to do like real activations right and that's where you need to uh, be you know work in partnership and ensure that You know, you have the right engagement from your business uh, unit uh, to um, implement those right activations of the products that you're building, you know, and if you do that on a regular basis, then you see that adoption is growing, you know, over a period of time. And you also need to have um, a very structured communication framework where you're discussing, you know, with your internal client on a regular basis as to, you know, what uh, you know what is hindering the adoption, right? And once you are in phase with the uh, with the pain points of adoption, and often it's linked to uh, it's linked to bandwidth, right? So there might be the right intention, there might be the right product, but if you don't have the right bandwidth, you know, at the uh, at the other end, then the adoption will get hampered, right? So that's where also you've got to help uh, and 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 handhold uh, your uh, user uh, for adoption.
1: Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages and. Then let's talk about that while we are going to be gung-ho about the data and AI as we are trying to be, in that race, in that trying to finding the ROI, and in that trying to sandboxing, at what point are you able to make a dent in the customer experiences? Because that's what you started with as the end goal. And how do you measure it? So like, you know, one is to create an impact, but another is to measure and say we are only going to focus on measurable impact how do you go about doing it and still at the same time work with the evolving data and ai landscape please stay tuned we'll be right back
0: You are listening to CTN, CIO Talk Network, with Sunjo Gall. To learn more about our program, please visit CIOTalkNetwork.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. So,
1: Sid you know that we all would have two sides of the journey one is you start with an end in mind which is you would say okay we want to improve customer experiences and there should be some sort of a benchmark on the other hand you got other issues with respect to the very evolving field of data and ai second is when you try different things some things work or don't work you do sandboxing and then you have adoption challenges all of that said the experiences that you generate Number one, are we able to measure them? Are they hard metric or soft metric? So if at all they're hard metric with the amount of effort that's going in, are we is are we are we being net positive in this effort? Which means whatever you did, it should not be a loss making effort.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, um, you know, you sp- uh, in terms of metrics, I think uh, both the metrics are super important. You know, hard metrics are obviously the, you know, hardcore business metrics, whether it is, uh, you know, repeat customers or increased revenue or uh, incremental revenue. And soft metrics are, uh, you know, your uh, customer satisfaction, your internal, you know, uh, productivity, et cetera. And both go hand in hand. In in um, uh, you know, if you look at only one, I think then you miss the picture, right? Uh, and you got to look at uh, your department as a as a business enabler right so you've got to be focused on these two uh, you know soft and hard metrics and in terms of soft metrics for example what we measure is uh, the satisfaction levels of our you know internal clients right and uh, i think that's a very rich source of insight right and in terms of the hard metrics we look at you know the different uh, uh, let's say uh, the you know uh, uh, predictive intelligence that we put in place in term in in marketing or sales uh, etc you know are we actually generating incremental business and then also uh, defining the right way to measure uh, these incremental business right it could be on media it could be on crm it could be on uh, you know e-commerce uh, it's very essential to you know have the right uh, frameworks of uh, of metrics to measure and then to measure it on a, on, a, on a regular basis on the on the hard metric side and on the soft metrics i think uh, i think uh, the primary role of a data office is also to ensure that, uh, you know, the internal stakeholders are satisfied. Uh, and often, I mean, it sounds simple, but trust me, in the different organizations that I've worked, uh, it's something that you do rarely, you know, actually measuring how your internal uh, stakeholders are satisfied with the services that you're providing.
1: So, uh, so Sid, when, when you are, based on what you said, I mean, these are the different things that you use, the different kind of metric that you use. What is that metric telling you right now based on what your experience has been thus far? Are there areas of improvement in specific dimensions that we should start focusing on so that the overall outcome is maximized?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it comes back to to the adoption. And it also comes back to, uh, let's say, prioritization. I think this is a a real challenge because as the, you know, as the field is very promising and there are so many uh, different avenues and you can do, you know, multiple things. And as data and AI is a co-field that you can literally work on, you know, any kind of a topic, any kind of a a, a, a business. So there is this tendency to, uh, you know, uh, to to start too many projects and then, uh, you know, um, sort of also be burdened by uh, the workload. Uh, So in, in terms of uh, what we are seeing we are seeing we are seeing positive results obviously in the initiatives that we are taking uh, but it's more globally that we are doing it you know on the digital transformation uh, is to ensure that uh, you know we prioritize very uh, uh, very precisely uh, you know the initiatives that we are going to take. So, to give an example, we are using the OKR method- methodology, right? The objective key results, and that's something really interesting. And and we do spend a lot of time in defining exactly how we are going to set our objectives, right? And and uh, objectives have to be long term, and then you know breaking those objectives into short term uh, key results, and trying to formulate those key results, you know, as much as possible to be business oriented. You know, it could be soft metrics, it could be hard metrics, but not having OKR uh, key results such as let's say uh, you know creating an ETL. You know, I'm just I'm making a kind of caricature capturing it uh, but that's not the right uh, objective right so the right key result the right key result has to be uh, you know uh, creating x amount of etls to ensure that uh, the uh, supply chain unit is uh, you know increasing 10% in productivity etc so so th- i think that effort that we are putting in you know is allowing us to prioritize. And I, I think down the road, uh, we can prioritize more and more so that we can really focus. Uh, and focus is the keyword word over here, right? Because you need to give it all, you know, when you do, uh, when you take on an initiative uh, to ensure that you go right till the end and you generate great results, you know, you have to have that right balance between the actual capacity that you have, uh, the demand that you have and match that, you know, capacity and supply with that demand. And then using uh, a, a, a very strict uh, prioritization technique and goals settings, you know, measuring it at at, uh, very short intervals, whether you're going on the right track or not.
1: So as you're working with your business unit leaders and business users and your own team, what are the top complaints that they are having, which is what you have to tackle for them to do the best they can to help achieve the maximum outcome? What is it that you're hearing from them?
2: Uh, It's a uh, I I wouldn't call it as a complaint, but I would rather call it as a pain point. And uh, often the pain point that you can, you know, you can come across is uh, uh, that, uh, you know, bandwidth issues on both the sides. Uh, Because because when you do such a massive transformation, you know you need to really work on uh, on, on on you know x a uh, huge amounts of initiatives right and tracks right so there is a band there can be a bandwidth issue time to time at the business unit and it can also be at our end right so so that's one and then secondly is also you know a bit of uncertainty around um around like you know when we are overhauling legacy tools etc uh you know what is the right uh choices that we need to make in terms of the technologies that we are taking or in terms of uh you know the teams that we are creating uh so i wouldn't say that that, uh, you know, there are any kind of complaints, uh, but there is uh, uh, this constant, uh, you know, challenge of uh, of, uh, you know, matching uh, the. objectives the ambitions initiatives you know with the actual reality on the field which is bandwidth issues and then you know real operational uh uh you know also balancing between let's say you know operational needs and long-term strategic uh you know projects that can give you you know a lot of value but the result is not immediate right so i would say rather that's the uh, that's the challenge of finding that right balance between you know short-term gains and then investing on you know long-term uh strategic gains
1: as business unit leaders, right? I mean, I know business users and others you will collaborate. What is it that would motivate and is motivating them? Because as you're on this journey right, yourself, right? So customer experience is everybody's uh, responsibility and it takes a village to deliver that customer experience. And frankly, when you talk about data and AI, somehow if you go to your marketing or your ops and other kind of department, they'll say, you know what, that's not my problem. That's your problem because you're the CDO. How do you bring them uh, in the same court and how do you get them going so that they support you and in turn you are going to deliver to them what they wanted
2: the 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 um, um the, the problem is uh, you know it's often uh, or the opportunity at the business unit uh, is uh, as you rightly said it's not the data right it is it is their uh, objectives you know and and uh, right now you know what uh, most marketers are, are there's, there's been a big change of marketing right so you no longer call it marketing you call it more as you know customer experience which you have been using right or designing experiences right so so there is a so so we require to uh, uh, you know create services that give more uh, you know autonomy to our uh, let's say you know, internal uh, marketing or salespeople. And then at the customer end also, uh, they require a lot of uh, services which allows them to, uh, you know, have self-care. And what do, you, what do I mean by self-care? Self-care is being able to, you know, access information about our products and services, you know, uh, if they are going to a certain resort, you know, to know uh, post-transaction, to know exactly, you know, what are the activities that are available, uh, you know, what are the timings uh, of uh, the child care facilities uh, or, uh, you know, things like what is the, you know, where is the, uh, swimming pool located or uh, what is the menu in the restaurant and things like that, right? So today we do spend a lot of time uh, in engaging with our customers in order to convey them you know, certain informations that pro- prop- uh, that uh, potentially they can, uh, you know, access this information in self-care on our, you know, m- uh, multiple uh, omni-channel touch points, right? Whether it is the website, whether it is the mobile application, uh, whether it is uh, messaging systems, uh, et cetera. And tomorrow, maybe there'll be a metaverse, you know, right now it is it's not so much of a Uh, of a buzzword um uh, so uh, i think the discussion is constant you know uh, as to how can we you know leverage uh, the uh, the customer knowledge that we have and the data assets that we have and then combine it with uh, you know digital uh, opportunities of creating these uh, memorable and uh, really uh, you know uh, uh, let's say uh, uh, impactful uh, services for our customers and the discussion is often around that you know how can i understand better the customer journey right to have better say, sales conversion you know how can i create uh, customer services that give our customers more more self care right how can i you know reduce uh, let's say the the bounce rate on the website you know and and based on that um uh, based on that actually we, we you know through design thinking and uh, uh, you know these kind of methodologies we um, you know, we place data within this uh, uh, objective rather than actually, as you rightly said, you know, uh, working with data for the sake of working with data. You know, data for me has no value unless and until it can really serve a purpose, you know, and I I gave you examples of certain, you know, uh, purposes that uh, business units look for. If you are to go
1: ahead and get everyone in your team to start giving you the right kind of use cases, which actually are helping them on the ground, right? So you are asked to help activate those use cases, I believe, right? And then you go ahead and do that. And then they try to use it. Where all have you seen you've had unprecedented or like a totally unexpected, but a positive success when it comes to data and AI related use?
2: Yeah, so in terms of the use cases, you know, the the, the approach that we have adopted is uh, is not to enforce use cases or top down, you know, where, um, you know, we are coming with use cases or the other way that you said that, that uh, the, you know, the the business units are actually providing us with use cases, we actually do a bottom up approach, right. Uh, and this is where I think there's a there's a good change that is happening, you know, in terms of sourcing those use cases based on pain points, right. And uh, in terms of, uh, you know, successes, uh, you know, uh, for example, uh, when I arrived uh, the one of the main uh, initiatives or the uh, or the ambition was to build a a, a good um, you know omni channel data set you know where you can actually uh, lo- understand clearly the customer journey you know across our 11 uh, uh, touch points and uh, for your information uh, you know between the first touch point first contact of the customer till the uh, final transaction on average we have about 100 days you know uh, and it de- obviously it depends on the on the uh, different countries so it's a it's a, it's a really long customer journey. Uh, um yeah so uh, and, and the second advantage that we have is is that we have uh, a direct distribution right so we do we do not go through otas like booking.com and expedia to actually you know get customers so we have you know we have about 70 more than 70% of our customers who are coming through direct channels right so we have a very rich data source and 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 a rich uh, you know customer database um, uh, but uh, there was this real requirement to you know uh, join the dots and create a, a, a an omni channel uh, of the customer, right? So this is something that we prioritize in the beginning, instead of prioritizing, let's say, uh, you know, other kinds of project, uh, other kinds of projects, working on these siloed data sets. And we really, uh, you know, spend time on that, and we built this omni-channel data set, and then we provided it to our, you know, marketing units, etc. And they started looking, and they started seeing the value, right, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, in terms of optimizing their actions and understanding more the customer journey. And from there, you can have all kinds of activations of, you know, optimizing your call centers, optimizing your emails, you know, relooking at your marketing journey, etc. So, uh, so this is one of them, but obviously there are other uh, other successes also. Uh, and I just mentioned to you, which was, uh, you know, on the on the uh, data visualization, right? So on data visualizations, we had a very good feedback and very good adoption, uh, which then led to, you know, productivity in terms of, uh, you know, uh, huge amounts of mandates, which are saved uh, by X unit X uh, teams
1: when you're moving at 100 miles an hour like the way you are right you're you're giving ideas people are asking for ideas you're adopting them you're sandboxing them they're they're putting it into action they're seeing value now this engine will only become a, a bigger engine a faster engine but then at the same time that's where the data governance part because if you look at data initiatives where fundamentally data itself has to be good. And for AI, data itself has to be good. So that means data governance has to be run properly. And for that, you need to have proper infrastructure, proper you know rules, regulations, policies. And then again, adoption of that needs to be rock solid. And in fact, when we are looking at the AI landscape changing, even the data management structures like Data Mesh came out, and now people are also thinking about something even more evolutionary to handle AI how do you keep up with that and keep your initiatives going at 100 miles an hour but not at any given time where you have compliance and governance issues what have you done to stay sane with data and ai related work and making sure the organization gets most value at the same time doesn't have a lawsuit or or anything else that you know that can happen when you have improper data governance
2: yeah absolutely and and this is a great question because uh, you know um you know, often a uh, data and AI strategy is looked at as a leapfrog strategy. You know, I, if you, if you if you if you if you understand what I mean, like re- leapfrogging. You know, from one point to uh, to the next point, and it it is actually a huge challenge because uh, data governance is absolutely you know essential because uh, that is the foundation of everything, right? So if you don't have the the right data sets, if you don't have the right quality, if you don't have the right you know exhaustivity uh, of those data sets, uh, and you don't have uh, the right uh, roles and responsibilities of who is in charge of you know which data set uh, of uh, data assets, you know it it becomes a big, big hindrance, right? But at the same time, you cannot have the all the conversations around. Data data governance, because otherwise then, you know, you don't see any business value, right? So you can, uh, um, you know, the, at the top level uh, management, uh, data governance is not a business topic, right? So you need to justify as to why do you need good data governance. So we we try to adopt the data data mesh and, and we are implementing it, but right now we are not using the word term data mesh because it can become a bit confusing, you know, so we are trying to apply the principles of data mesh, right? And what are the principles of data mesh? So more about decentralization, you know, of uh, value creation, uh, ensuring that we are Organizing our data assets uh, uh, in different categories—you know, whether it is transportation, whether it is sales, whether it is marketing, whether it is media, uh, CRM, etc.—so uh, ensuring that we, you know we we are we are uh, giving identity to our different data assets, you know, exactly the way you would manage physical assets, and then onboarding people through uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know training and explanation and you know onboarding uh, them to take responsibility of these data assets, right? And these people uh, then they also work with different product owners. You know, which are in the data office, but also in the business unit. Uh, and the 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 thing that we realized and we put in place is an really an incremental approach. Because if you try to, you know, the CDO comes and then you know within three days wants to uh, put in place a data ma- data governance and uh, sort out the you know whole palace, it's not possible. You know, you can take the analogy of a of a little apart cleaning a little apartment versus a cleaning a you know a, a huge chateau, uh, uh, you know chateau. It's not the same thing, right? So you have got to clean it little room by room, right? And then uh, and then it has to be aligned with the use cases also that you're trying to achieve, right? So if it is, if you're trying to create an a omni-channel uh, journey of your customer and then take actions, then it is good to apply the data mesh principles on your data sets which uh, which are around the omni-channel journey, right? And then having the uh, having the right stewards uh, looking after that, right? So this is how we are doing it. And then obviously there's a lot of, uh, you know, community building and, you know, uh, also making it fun, right? Having interactions and sharing uh, content and things like that and making it a bit more fun than, than a very serious topic sometimes you know governance sounds like uh, you know a government uh, with ministries and things like that and that that's what we are trying to avoid and making the process more uh, seamless uh, integrated with the use cases and the and the value generation
1: one last question which is also one of the most important questions is the leadership that a cdo business leaders executive management have to uh, the style that they have to use right what is it that you've seen been most successful in terms of the leadership mindset, communication style, collaboration style to, which has actually allowed your organization and what you've seen in many other organizations has allowed them to use data and AI to uh, really bring good customer experiences
2: in terms of the qualities of the leadership i think uh, and i think you would agree with me i think humility is the is the number one quality that a cdo or a data leader you know for data function uh, needs to have because uh, you know as you as you rightly and we discussed this you know that there there have been so many you can you can see so many examples of things going wrong and also within the cdo community you see a big churn right so in, in, on average the cdo tenure is not more than 2 to 3 years and uh, you know that for me is a, is a big uh, you know tragedy as to you know why the CDO are not able to you know go more than two or three years. Uh, so I think humility is very important. Uh, you know, understanding the business is extremely important because at the end of the day, I mean, data and AI and all these things mean nothing unless and until you know you are in sync with uh, the uh, the realities of the company or the organization uh, in um, in link with uh, you know the the pain points of your uh, stakeholders. And for that, I think uh, you know going on the field and actually you know learning on the field. You know, for example. Uh, from time to time, I go to our call centers and I sit and discuss with our agents, you know, just to understand and, and, and just watching them talk to the customer and understanding, you know, the questions of the customers and the friction points and, you know, uh, how are they using the systems and things like that. Uh, similarly, you know, going to the resorts and then, you know, talking to our, uh, you know, uh, GOs, uh, you know, as they are called, uh, called to see, you know, uh, how they're working and what they're doing and how they're dealing with the customer, uh, talking to the customers. I mean, you know, I think the best thing to do is to talk to the customers, uh, customers and you learn so many things, right? So I think, you know, being hum- humble, uh, un- uh, not taking for granted that everything is going to work, anticipating, you know, uh, going on the field and actually seeing what's happening, working with your uh, with uh, actual operational people, you know, and understanding how they work. Uh, and then uh, obviously, you know, communication and, you know, uh, in French, we call it like pedagogy, you know, of of be- having this uh, ability to actually simplify things, I think. You know, in one of the interviews I, I mentioned, a conference it was uh they asked me what was the role what is actually the role or uh, that the cdo plays in data governance right so i said that the role a cdo plays is that of a cto and what did i mean by uh, cto a chief talking officer uh you know it was a, yeah, i said it in a joking manner but i think it's it's uh, really important uh, to be able to simplify and talk talk and you know and 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 talk with as many people as possible and explain what we are doing and about the you know advantages, the opportunities, but also the complexities, you know, and to, uh, you know, make them feel that uh, you are in their team, right? So, and and you're not a, uh, let's say, a, a separate entity, you know, uh, who is, uh, uh, you know, who's doing his own thing, but really in sync with the actual business operations uh, and uh, in the simplification process of explaining the advantages.
1: On behalf of the listeners uh, and CT, and I'd really like to thank you Uh, Said for sharing your insights about how organizations have a tremendous opportunity here to leverage the data and AI evolution, and I would say almost a revolution, to elevate customer experiences. And thanks for your anecdotes and insights.
2: Thank you so much, Sanjog. Uh, It was a pleasure to be on CIO Network and wish you a great day.
1: Thanks so much. And uh, listeners, please connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast. Once again, thank you for listening to CTN. This is your host, Sanjo Alls, signing off. Till next week, take care and God bless. <music>